Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the NBA Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. The gracious host Rob Bruin and Troy Rose. We're back in the building again. We feeling good. We look good. Always a vibe. Let us know song. Know that. How you feeling, Troy? Feeling good. Another week, another pod. Here with my good brother. Have us a special guest today. So I'm mm-hmm. um, pretty geeked. I'm pretty for sure geeked. Yeah, man. Later on in the pod, we're gonna have uh, Misha Mosley join us. She's she's doing her thing. She's a sports reporter. Does her thing with overseas basketball connection, and she has so many other projects uh, going on as well. So she'll be tuning up, tuning in with us uh, very soon. So in college, we have some top ten teams that are really doing their thing right now within the Big Ten Conference, ACC, and the SEC. We have some players as well that have signed some big contracts. Paul George is now at $226 million. And we're going to break down the power episode and how, you know, there's so many different dynamics and so many stories evolving with that as well, too, and so many more topics. Basketball is back, as we know. College game is really starting to open up now. You know, talk to us about what, what we've seen out there so far. Well, you know me. I've, I've been paying a lot of attention, and it's been hard not to because they've been playing well. Still still Michigan State uh, and Syracuse, the You're Orange. still on the Michigan State wave? I'm still on the wave. And I'm not just believing the hype. Like, I'm really confident that this could be a, a championship team. Why? Because uh, y'all are I, undefeated right now? Uh, just because of the way that they're playing, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and and the the leadership from players that you just wouldn't expect to be in this position, you know. So they just played uh, yesterday against Oakland, <clears throat> and at, early on it was actually a hard fought battle. Oakland's uh, Rashad Williams, he was letting them boys have it. He finished with thirty six, eight for seventeen from three, finished with twelve. He took 20, seventeen threes, seventeen, just under fifty percent. He was letting it go. It, it wasn't enough to beat. Uh, the guys in green, uh, Michigan State, they played well. A good team game. Gabe Brown showed promise. I like with him being long, he's able to stretch out around the basket to finish around. He had 20 points. Uh, and he was able to stretch the floor as well. He can knock down threes. He was four, six from three-point land. So I just – I think the way that this team is playing, with, along with uh, Aaron Henry, his game is really developing in his second or third year at uh, Michigan State. Like the way that he's really – getting confident, getting to the basket, utilizing the Euro step, getting to the line, and just really filling that leadership role. I'm uh, looking to see Rocket Watts get going a little bit more, especially in games like yesterday because uh, Rashad Williams was, was letting them have it, and Jalen Moore, who I also finished with 26 for Oakland. But I'm, I'm still looking at the green and the way that they're holding it down. And big shout-out to Tom Enzo. He got them boys looking right. When I look at college basketball right now, you forced me to pick a Big Ten team. Mm. to take Michigan State down, obviously. So I'm looking at Illinois. Mm. Listen, Io DeSumo, junior, 6'5", 200 pounds. He's their go-to guy. He's relentless on the scoring, and he's always in attack mode. And I think that he's really doing his best to keep Illinois in a winning situation right now this year. They're ranked number six right now. They did take a hit, and they did lose to Mizzou on Saturday. But just as a whole, they've, they've been battling. And I really think they've done a great job in adding freshman guard Andre Cabello. He's from Long Island as well, uh, Long Island stand-up. And he's, he's, he's a type of guard where he has a great IQ to him, very lengthy. 
He fills in the lane, especially he plays the passing lane, very active hands, and he's not scared of the moment. And I think when I think of a team that's ready for the moment, I think Illinois is there. They're going to compete. I wouldn't be surprised if I see Illinois and Michigan State in that Big Ten Conference championship uh, battling for that. That's that's something that I definitely want to see because they're, they're filling it up. And, um, you know, you're going to lose some battles. You know what I mean? But they're in a winning situation, and uh, I think they're doing a great job so far this season. Yeah, I think it's good to see Big Ten back in the top ranks when you mm-hmm. got Michigan State at number four. Like you said, <clears throat> Illinois at number six. I think that it's, it's good that these teams are really making a push, and I'm excited to see some of this young talent keep working. I know Kentucky's been struggling. I know Duke's been Duke struggling. Duke has been struggling. Yes, they have. We just saw Coach K recently come out and speak on if the these athletes or if the season should even be going on right now with college sports so I wanted to ask you um what do you think about coach K's comments as far as you know players and you know teams and everything even being a factor right now it's funny to me because it's it's an interesting situation if Duke is six and oh right now are we even really having this conversation I don't think so I think that coach K is a great coach which we all know and I think with how the season is moving so far, I think he might just be overwhelmed with the situation. Frustrated with one time a game is happening, one time a game is not, and it's being canceled. I think he just needs to push through. I think it's unfair to all the other teams that are competing right now to win. And to be 100% honest, they're one of the best programs. So they have to live up to that hype. Now, when you look at their roster, they're not really stacked at all. But it's Duke. They have to compete just like everyone else. And if they get beat, they get beat. But this is a situation where Duke needs to pull up their sneaks by the bootstraps and get in it and make the best of their season. You know, everybody has a chance to make the NCAA tournament and they need to, you know, stay focused and stay in tunnel vision and lock into that. I agree. I know that they're only four games into the season, but like you said, I feel like if they're four and oh, I feel like Coach K interpretation may be a little different. And I do agree. I do think that he really is concerned about these players and him being someone who at who is older, you know what I mean? I'm sure he's concerned about mm-hmm. himself or maybe other love loved ones. So I can understand that nature one thousand percent. But I think that, you know, with it moving forward, you just have to adapt. You have to adjust and hopefully you have to get your team on board. It's been a struggle for for Duke. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they only have one player so far that's even averaging double figures and that's DJ Stewart, mm-hmm. the uh, freshman guard. So I think that you just really have to kind of get your players going, really have to, you know, hopefully turn things around. It's only four games in, so hopefully the second half they'll be able to potentially turn it around. But if not, I mean, we still always have next year. So, Duke, this is just be have to be all year where y'all have to sit back and watch from the outside. Y'all be all right. <laughs> Listen, Troy, when I think about a player that really stood out to me or standing out in college basketball is Justin Powell, the Auburn backup point guard that was supposed to be filling in for Sharif Cooper – but now he's starting because Sharif Cooper has, you know, the situation that he's dealing with and not and being able to play with an NCAA play right now. Now, what really stood out to me with Justin Powell when they played against Memphis was his motivation. What I'm getting at is his confidence. He's a great shooter. He's a true freshman. And I didn't think he would be ready for this moment, nor did I even know that he was going to be playing backup point guard. So when I look at what happened on Saturday, it was a close game. Memphis, uh, they took Memphis down to the wire. They ended up beating Memphis by three points. Now, Memphis did have some key possessions that they, you know, fell apart on. I'm not sure 
what Penny Hardaway really drew up in the huddle, but I don't really feel like the players executed it to the best of their ability. But Justin Powell was just a re- relentless. He had 26 points. He was 9-13 from the field. His range is amazing, and he just has that chip on his shoulder. And I think that he's really showing everybody in the SEC conference that he's willing and he's ready to play. And Sharif Cooper can take as long as he wants because he's going to fill that void for Auburn. If you're Coach Bruce Pearl, you're glad to see this. You want to oh, see yeah. You want to see your young freshman coming in with a level of confidence, understanding that you are filling a role. Sharif Cooper is a talent, talented player. But when it's your turn, it's your turn. And you got to produce and do what's needed. And I like that he's a freshman, but he's a freshman with confidence. And sometimes you don't see that. But he's ready for the moment. He's produced and his court vision is developing. Like you said, he's been able to shoot the ball well. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do. And who knows? Sharif Cooper comes back, may be able to implement some little back. Action. Who knows? We'll have to see. Today we have our first woman reporter on the scene, Misha Mosley, Overseas Basketball Connection reporter, and so much more. Tell us how you're feeling. I'm good. How are you guys feeling today? Yeah, we good. We good. Feeling good. Feeling good. We're blessed to have you on the show. We've been trying to do this for a long time, get mm-hmm. some female empowerment here on the show, and we're just thankful to have you on the opportunity. Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> let's do it. Man, let's just jump right into it. Paul George signs a four-year extension, 190 mil, which totals his contract to be $226 million with him being able to opt out in the 2024 to 25 season. Uh, Troy, we'll start with you. What do you really – is this a good move for the Clippers and should Paul George have signed that contract? Well, I think I think everyone's going to say, well, why is he getting this money after what we saw happen in the playoffs? Yeah, you but mean him hitting the side of that backboard? All of that. <laughs> all of that. But when you look at it, what the Clippers gave up to obtain him to OKC, when you look at Oklahoma City, they have first-round draft picks stretching all the way back to, I want to say, 2026. So all the assets that they had to give up to get a player like Paul George, it kind of – put them in a situation where it's like, if we're going to, we're going to go all in, go all in, then let's go all in. And obviously they have a lot of belief and faith in him, but I think that just put a lot of pressure on him moving forward because the Clippers had high hopes last year. And as we all saw, they kind of just didn't live up to that. So with big money comes big expectations. So hopefully he'll be able to produce going into this next season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that the Clippers kind of had no choice but to, you know, give him all this money and kind of build the team around him and Kawhi, obviously. But I think everyone was hyped and excited to hear about the collab with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and it just didn't really go how everyone thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Might have been coaching, but mm-hmm. we see that, you was know, it? Is out. I mean, I personally think, there's no reason why your players should be so fatigued and hitting the backboard as a NBA player. Like, come on. Like a lot of it was fatigue. I think uh, a lot of missed shots, a lot of lazy basketball and lack of adjustments really throughout the whole series against the Lakers. So, I mean, I think you here I, blaming it on Doc. I'm not blaming it on Doc. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that with Tyron Liu, we will see better results. But also look at it like Tyron Liu is also under 
Doc Rivers. So how much yeah, so different, what's going to be different? How it's, much different is it going to get? Different. Right. That's true, but I mean, you have to give him an opportunity. You can't That's just fair. say, you know, That's just true. because you trained under someone, you he might have different things that he wants to put mm-hmm. in place. You know, I don't know, but give that man a shot. You got to give him a shot. You got to. So when I really look at it, I look at it like this. I think they had to sign him because everybody else is probably like everyone's in their place already in terms of the season. So Paul George just has to live up to that expectation. You know, a lot of players have the tendency to when they sign that contract, they don't produce. We mm-hmm. see that happen a lot. So um, I think Paul George, uh, after really watching him on the Auto Smoke podcast, he he seems like he's more level-headed now and um, he's ready to take on that that situation but i think with paul george my only thing with him sometimes he just be having these excuses oh like 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 dame that was a bad shot oh we i I was going through it mentally now i'm not gonna say that him going through it mentally in the bubble isn't Mm. important because it is it's It's very valid and me and troy Mm -hmm. talked about this the other day it's the entire situation that matters that's at hand so he's a superstar caliber player when he was playing with uh, Russ, he had, like, uh, season-high numbers, career-high numbers for him. So he has the potential. He just needs to, you know, bring that to fruition. I think that that's really what we need to see from him. And the Clippers need to make some moves. As you see, the Lakers getting guys they, like Lakers not Schroeder. Playing. Lakers they get, is up. Okay. <laughs> they get Montrez, Harold. Like, only people I've seen the Clippers sign is Nicholas Batum and Serge Ibaka. And that's no shade, but no shade. But where's Batum pieces. been at? And Ibaka, like – <laughs> is he really is he really about to be going crazy i don't know that's a good but, question I, that's, that's I, just that's just a Kawhi. that's just him and Kawhi connecting obviously they yeah. won a championship together in toronto mm-hmm. but again it's gonna take more than that mm-hmm. speaking of connections james harden is doing a few new connections as well this man don't know where he want to go he just know he went out so now he wants to go to philly or mm-hmm. miami mish we're gonna start with you do you even think James Harden and Giannis could work uh Jimmy and uh James could work I think they could work but you know any team that James Harden goes to is going to have to deal with him wanting to be the ball dominant scorer Mm -hmm. I think um even with the 76ers like Simmons is going to have to find some way if he does go there and I don't even know how he could go there without giving up Simmons or Embiid, like, I don't know how that's going to work out, but if he does, I think that's going to be an issue with the 76ers. I think it might be an issue with Jimmy Butler in Miami, but I think if they can get over that, I think there will be a good, a good little collaboration. I think that's a lot of buckets coming from mm-hmm. both ways to me. I think he's called them a little collab. <laughs> <laughs> she said that's a good little collab. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for me, I know that the Nets are still high on his list, but I have to take into consideration what they said, and they're not willing to give up the moon and the stars for him. Mm-hmm. And, I wouldn't and, either. And, He's not and if you look at it, the moon and the stars is two players, the moon being KD or the stars being Kyrie. Kyrie. So, mm-hmm. and, and they're not going to give up that. And I feel like Spencer Dinwiddie, he's talented, but he's he's not going to be – or uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, they're not going to be enough to get a James Harden. So I don't even think they're gonna, that's going to happen. I know Philly is an option. I know Miami's an option. If you ask me, Miami, in a way, would have that advantage. But Philly, Ben Simmons, I mean, I think they would have to go with that, too, because he's an all-star point guard. So Miami may have a chance. I feel like if they do it, Tyler Hero is going to be a big piece of that deal. 
because his stock has really gone up after his performance in the playoffs and in the bubble. So uh, we'll have to see. But if you ask me, I feel like he got to be professional, continue to just be a leader, be an all-star, play the game, and help out Steven Silas, man. We don't have too many mm-hmm. black coaches in the league. Stop making it right hard now. on him. Stop making it hard on him, you know? Like, get out here, be a part of the team. If you want to be here, perform. If you don't, do what you're going to do. But he got to coach and he got to do his job. And there's play players there that are ready to play and do their thing. So if you're not, then do what you got to do. Like, okay, you're doing all of this trying to get traded, mm-hmm. but what team is going to want a player like that who, I mean, and of course it's James Harden. So any team is going to want him, but I just think that's something that he should keep in mind. Like you're coming late to training camp, you out here at the strip club doing whatever, who knows what, <laughs> like you're not being a team player, regardless whether you want to leave or not. I just think that's not a good look for him in branding in general. Like, who wants that type of person to be on their team? Agreed. Yeah, I think for real, the biggest thing with me in terms of James Harden, I think he needs to just stay put. You know, everybody has their situation. Okay. Yeah, he, he need everybody has their situation set. Mm-hmm. He's the man in Houston. Miami, Jimmy's trying to do his own thing, create his situation. Uh, going to Philly, Joel Embiid and Bill, uh, Ben Simmons, they need to figure that out. I personally feel like they need to break that up, in my opinion. But um, absolutely. It's not working. Up on them? It's, it's not working. And Doc isn't... I'm not going to say Doc can't fix it, but it's not going to get any better. Mm-hmm. So um, back to James. James needs to, like we all said, be on time, be to training camp, and just lock in. You know, get another... He has John Wall... And yeah. DeMarcus Cousins, figure it out. Don't go well, jump ship because we have enough of that big, already. Both of them are big ifs. They that is true. DeMarc- I mean, everything's an if. James Harden is an if in the playoffs. But James Harden hasn't ifs. been out of the league two years. I mean, granted, but I mean, every everybody's entitled to. They both got their bodies back in tip top shape. DeMarcus Cousins is almost there. I've seen him having fun with Kevin mm-hmm. Hart or coldest balls. You know what I'm saying? So and and John Wall, he's he's back in it. Now, to T. Rose's point, everyone looks good in open gym, right? Exactly. Which we already know. So I'm not going to put him on a pedestal just yet. I'm just saying he's he's looking like he's 100%. And he looked good in preseason yesterday as well, too. So we got to let him play it out and just see what uh, the cards are going to fall where they lay. Those are some good pieces to play with. DeMarcus Cousins, Absolutely. John Wall. They're talented, but like me said, they are big ifs. So – do you want to go somewhere where you feel more solidified and more like this is a winning opportunity or do you want to see if it's going to be that and then it doesn't? So I don't know. I think that uh, he should stay put for now, but as you can see, he doesn't want to be there. Clearly. So when we're looking at the preseason basketball that just started a couple of days ago, Brooklyn Nets took on the Wizards last night. Russ didn't play, but the big story for us and everyone that's been tuned in is KD and Kyrie. I'll start. I think Kyrie really looked well last night. He moved the floor very well. He's crafty as always. His shot selection was amazing. I think he was seven for nine from the field. He had 18 points. He only played 17 minutes. So I think the biggest part for me that I saw in Kyrie last night is his leadership, which I think has been a big part of his game. That's been a flaw. I saw him at the end of every time out, giving everybody a high five, getting them into the huddle. And just wanting to be that spark for the team that he needs because he didn't do it in Boston. He was too young in Cleveland when he was by himself. And, you know, him like Paul George, he has a lot of excuses too. But Kyrie, <laughs> he's, he's a different individual. And when I say different, I feel like he 
thinks on another frequency. If you listen to the podcast with him and KD, where he was chatting it up and talking his his stuff about Braun, um, you just saw that he just wants to be around like-minded people. And him and Kevin Durant are going to build that camaraderie. And you can tell that they both, I think, don't fully feel proven until they do it on their own together, I think. So that's that's really what I'm looking at in terms of Kyrie. Okay, I can agree with some yeah, of what Misha you're saying. Robert, you know you see it. I definitely saw the leadership aspect that you're talking about because that's been my biggest issue with Kyrie. I feel like he he thinks he's a leader and he's not. Yeah. Honestly. He's <laughs> an I elite think, number two. Right. In, in that, my that's opinion. That's a good way to put it. That's a elite great number way. two. But he can't yes. carry the load by himself. Yes, and I think that's both KD and Kyrie's mm. flaws. Like, they are okay. both great number twos. I mean, KD, you know, I feel like neither one of them have ever won anything by themselves. Like, they've never really led a team mm. to to great heights on their own. They always have to have someone else with them. Um and honestly, there's a lot of tough teams in the league right now. You got a lot of tough duos, particularly. You got uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron. You got Paul George and Kawhi. You got freaking um, Murray and Jokic, who's – they're not even hitting their Spooky. full stride yet. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I think they have a lot of obstacles to get over if they are going to win – in a major way, when in a way that matters. Um, and honestly, I think both KD and Kyrie are toxic. Mm-hmm. You got Twitter oh, fingers. Mm. That's what you're I, I mean, mm. KD, you got Twitter fingers KD and you got media strike Kyrie. I don't know. <laughs> Not a good Yo. combo to me. <laughs> Yo, Troy, she just made two. She's telling it like it is. They're toxic. They are. I mean, you had that conversation. I feel like the way that they go about their their media presence or their their personal life is a little strange. But hey, who am I to judge? It is what it is. As far as the game goes, uh, the preseason, I like what I saw out of KD. He still looks confident. Didn't look like he really missed the beat getting to the basket. First step was still quick. But for me, looking at Brooklyn, I'm not worried about Kyrie or KD. I think they're going to play well. They're going to produce. I think who's going to be the man down the stretch. It's still going to be a question because we obviously we saw that battle with Kyrie when he was with LeBron. We obviously saw his comments and what he just recently said about Bron. So since now he has that much faith in KD to take that last shot, that means that he won't be doing it if you ask me. But we'll see how that plays out. I did not but like that I, comment that he made either. I didn't Why? either. I, Why I, I, did he say that? Like what? Did he are just you say that you didn't leave Cleveland? Taker? Are you the big shot taker for real? Come on. Didn't you say you didn't leave Cleveland because of Braun and then Cole Braun? He's such it's a like Braun. Kyrie, come on. Situations like that, he just, I, it's, it's just hard to understand why he's moving the way he is. Mm-hmm. It's just and, what you, and, what, and what you have to realize is you're saying that about somebody who just came off a championship. Right. So right. What you mean you, you don't take big shots? Pushing, so you now going forward in this season, targets on your big shots. Take on your back. Shots. Take has actually taken the most big shots, you know, regular mm-hmm. season out of any mm-hmm. other player. So I'm confused. Me too. Are <laughs> moving her neck like what? In <laughs> <laughs> Brooklyn, they're gonna have to develop the bench. I know they got guys like Spencer mm-hmm. Dinwiddie. I know they have Karis Levert. 
But that's not going to be enough, especially if you're talking about going up against teams like the Lakers, against teams potentially like the Clippers. And even in the East, Giannis and those guys, the Bucks, Miami's looking good. So, I mean, you got two-star players, but it takes a little bit more than that. As you can see, teams like the Lakers are really pushing to get their bench going. So I don't know. I think it's going to be good. They're going to play healthy, but I'm a little worried about the team. New coach, Steve Nash, hopefully his system works. Yeah, I'm definitely with everything. I think we're on the same uh, wavelength right now. So when it tell me what's on your mind segment, I always have a lot on my mind. Mish has tons of thoughts on her mind. Troy <laughs> always has a, a good amount of things to tell us as well. Always. Kyrie Irving is back in it again. I'm not going to call him bougie. I'm not going to say he's too good. But this man just really just told us all together he's just good on media. He's just coming to tie up his kicks, play ball, and go home. Mish, talk to us about how you feel about that. I mean, the thing... He's back at it again. The thing about Kyrie... <laughs> like, y'all already know, I think Kyrie is toxic, like I just said. Um, we will have to name the pod Toxic because of you. Honestly, of honestly. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. You know, Kyrie Irving, he's had this issue with the media for a long time, dating back like a couple of seasons ago. And I mean, to me, him going on a media strike and posting on Instagram his Malcolm X quote as if he's doing something so revolutionary and, you know, changing the game. And not to mention that he called the media, a.k.a. us, pawns. Mm. <laughs> okay, I took offense to that one. But I think that athletes have this thing where they feel like the media is against them and the media twists their words and the media puts all these different stories out. The narrative creates their own narrative of what they want to hear or what they think is going to be interesting for, for viewers and listeners. But I think ultimately, you know, as a professional athlete, you have to understand that media is a part of your career. It's a part of your job. And you can't just decide not to do it because you don't like the narratives that are being pushed out about you. But yet you're continuing to feed into these exact narratives that are being put out about you. So I think I understand him not wanting to participate. Um, I don't know if he got the bread to keep up with these $25,000 fines that he's going to mm. keep getting. Um, but I don't think it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. But what do you guys think? How do y'all feel about what he said and what he's doing? Well, I mean, for me, I feel like he's depriving the fans of an opportunity, especially this year with the season being so unorthodox and us not actually having that experience to be at the games. I think you want to hear from players like Kyrie Irving. You want to hear where his mindset is and the things that he's been through. As you know, he's had his battles, his ups and downs. Um, I get what he's doing. Obviously, the first time we hear him speak is on Kevin Durant's, his teammate's podcast. So I get that he's rallying behind his boy. But I think that he should um, open up a little more. I mean, if you're going to have negative things to say about great players, people want to know why you're saying those things. Or if you're going to say that you're going to be the man or you guys are going to make things happen. We want to know and understand why. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't want to talk, like you say, I hope he got the cheese for keep paying them 20, 25K fines. And um, he better make sure that he plays well this season because if you don't talk, then we want to see some action. So hopefully right. that works out for him. Yeah, That was a good one. If you don't yeah. talk, we want to see some action, period. Mm -hmm. 
Kyrie just needs to answer the questions and go home. I feel like he's making it a little bit more difficult than it, than it needs to be. Now, do people in the media tend to twist words? Yeah, that's a part of the game. But just like LeBron, create your own platform. Do what you need to do to get your story off and just do what you got to do and not make your job more tough than it needs to be because in the same breath, there's a lot of people that are invested, you know, that want to see Kyrie do well. Now I'm saying, does that all, does all of that have to be his issue? No, I'm just saying at the end of the game, we want to know what you were thinking before the game. I want to know what you were thinking and that's it. Go home. It doesn't have to be lengthy. Do what you need to do and, and move on to the next step, but don't deprive the fans, the media, everybody has a job to do. We're going to write the story. We're going to talk about the story. He has to play within the lines. So as long as everybody does what they need to do, I think everybody will be fine. So he needs to end this media strike thing because that's, that's for the birds. That's for the he'll be, he'll for the be talking. He'll be talking soon. Best yeah, absolutely. He no, has to. Don't don't believe the hype. We're don't not caught in it. We're not. We're not. We're not caught up in, in the toxic ways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now the power episode really jumped off. What are you guys' views on it so far? Because Tyreek is is caught in a frenzy right now. He doesn't know who he wants to really be with. So what you guys thinking so far? <laughs> that power episode had me on my toes. Yeah, I mean, hear about it. What's up? Talk, talk to us. Because okay, so for me, it was the back and forth between sex and the other His niece, mom's lawyer, oh, Tasha's okay. lawyer, right? And how they are both having this little mm. hug and pull situation going on. One is about to turn on the other one. One is about to turn on the other one. And I don't really know where it's going to go. Like, I don't know if Tasha's going to be in jail. I don't know if Tariq's going to be in jail. I don't know if Sax is going to be in jail. But I know somebody getting locked up. Mm. And the whole situation with Monet and her family dynamic. Mm. Spooky. So it's a lot to take in. And I'll start with with the Monet situation. I think... Kane is is a is a pit bull off the leash who's very angry, <laughs> who got a lot of animosity and hatred for his parents. So I see bad things coming out of that. I really do. Um, but one thing I take note of, I see how they're setting this up. I, I see the whole little dynamic they're trying to create with with Tyreek and Diana, and I believe the other young lady named Lauren. But I see the mm-hmm. dynamic they're setting up with Lauren and Diana. Lauren reminds me of like a an Angela feel. From uh, mm. with ghosts, and then you have that, you, have, you, you know, and then you got Di- you got Diana. That's like the the Tasha feel. You know what I mean? Like that's the one that's in the in the mm. lifestyle with him. And then you have the one that's a good girl who you really should be focused on. So I see what they're doing with that. So I, I'm excited to see how it's moving forward. And I ain't gonna lie. Method Man has me geeked every week. Like I just want to see how he just gonna keep playing people and keep running circles around sacks. But I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Tasha does come home, but not at the expense of Tyreek. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with both of y'all. At the end of this, Tariq, I feel is gonna end up go to jail. Tasha's mm-hmm. gonna get to. out. Yeah, Tasha's gonna get out. Uh, Davis and Sacks, they're they're playing off of each other in a crazy way. Because now Sax had to turn up the heat crazy on Paz Valdez, which was insane. Had Tasha looking like the queen pen, which I got very nervous, by the way. But then Davis Davis flipped it. Davis flipped it well. So that was good. Then um, Lauren and Tyreek, they have an interesting dynamic. Her boyfriend, Lauren's boyfriend, needs to calm down. Very phone happy. Does he need to calm down? 
Mish. Wait, he on, needs to walk in, and this man is in her room with her. Mish, just on top, on top, on top of him, on top of him, on top of him, like with with condoms on the bed during sex week. It was him out the phone for me though. Like, why are you taking a Well, listen, my my question is, how did you even know I just got home? Do we not have respect and boundaries? I'm not. I'm just saying. Why you just keep popping up? Now it's a privacy issue. No, that is a privacy issue, and he should have. Tariq should have chopped him on the way out. The they should have. What you talking about? He should have. You know what I mean? And then, um, I just think they're doing well. And Kane as well. You gonna hit your mom? He didn't hit her. He didn't, look, look, it was. Uh, you gonna was do that to your week. mom? Your mom gotta look up at you on the ground. Nah, your mom. You do that to your mom. Me, she gonna be sleeping in the backyard. But you mm. see what happened to him. Mm. I mean, yeah, here yeah. he got dealt with, and but and and Monet most, didn't like it. But was that Ain't the best that thing crazy? to do? Ain't that was crazy? That the best though? thing to do. I don't know if it was the best thing to do, but as a man, your son can't be putting his hands on on your wife. That's not by happening. Him, by him doing that, it almost cost her her life. It that's very true, but there has to be a healthy balance. You can't disrespect your mother that way, and you need to know your place. He's so that's bent out of shape about Tyreek taking his place in the family that he's just bugging out in every situation. And that's not even what's happening, though. It's, it's not at all. But as soon as he figured out that Tariq took his place when he wasn't there, he looked that's at the cop it. like, see, I'm trying to show mm. you that they're, they're pushing us out of the way. And if she did that to her, her own flesh and blood, you know she really doesn't need you. Mm-hmm. You know, the craziest thing for me was, like I was telling you guys about the whole family dynamic of Monet and her entire family. Like, the fact that Kane basically put his hands on her, whatever you want to call it, have her on the He pushed floor. her. He didn't put his hands on her. her. Let's say he pushed yeah, her. He pushed her. Yeah. He pushes her. <clears throat> Monet calls dad. Well, mm-hmm. I don't even know the dad's name. What's his Lorenzo. name? Lorenzo. Lorenzo handles Kane, beats Kane up, or has Kane beat up, blah, blah, blah. And then Monet is mad at Lorenzo. Mm. For protecting you know her. That is. That's like you you can't hit my kid. It's like you can't talk that's you can't talk about my mom, but mess. I can. That's what that's that is. This son mess, okay? Absolutely. Cause she know Kane is the muscle. Uh-huh. Lorenzo mm-hmm. is is part one of the brains of the operation, but Kane is the muscle. And, and she, she knows he protects Kane her. Emotional. Kane makes emotional decisions. Very and she knows that that beat down probably got him all messed up in the head for sure. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I agree. Got to watch out for the undercover detective. You got to mm. watch out for Sack's niece. Boy just broke, boy, Sneaky. Boy just, boy just broke up with her. She going to mm, be hot. She... I'm glad he broke up with her though. Nah, but she's coming back with she a vengeance now, which is bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad for everybody. But do you think she cares that much though? She's like she's, I really feel she's like toxic. She... Oh yes. Oh wow. Yes. That's what now the girlfriend gotta be toxic. What did she do? Toxic. She came into she's the sneaky. picture toxic. She's she drugged him. <laughs> okay, y'all got it. <laughs> I walk in my dorm. I just, walk, I just she, he walked in his dorm. She's going through his stuff. I just wanted to see if y'all have receipts for y'all call a woman toxic. Hey, she got all the now problems. we got to make another pod about toxicity. <laughs> this is crazy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V 
on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.